Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition, special edition, Labor Day special edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Joined tonight with co-host Trey Patterson, and we have one week of college football almost in the books. We're waiting on Louisville, Miami. Louisville up seven, nothing. Four minutes left in the first quarter, and we have a lot to discuss tonight. Thanks for joining us on this special Monday night. It's not our normal Sunday, but we figured we'd come at least an hour tonight to you and and break down this wild week of college football. And and Trey, I don't know about you, but People are losing their freaking minds right now over one week of college football. I mean, I've seen Georgia number one seed in the Final Four, Texas A&M number one. I mean, should everybody just stop a minute, Trey, and let's just wait about three or four more weeks before we start jumping off ships? Well, I see a lot of people are predicting if you based it on one week, this is what it would look like. I think anybody who's saying they, they base it now and can predict after one week what it will look like, I think that's a little disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it, and it looked like to me, you know, as of Saturday night, like Herb Street and some other people had Texas A&M, the number one seed, and come on. I mean, I, I just want to talk about college football tonight, talk about what we saw, things that we that surprised us, things that didn't surprise us that we were right on. But, Trey, after the first week, I mean, besides a couple of games, my picks are still solid in a way. Sure, I have some questions about certain teams, but besides Texas A&M and South Carolina, is there really a game that just shocked you out there? No, not really. I mean, um, you know, I'd, I'd say that, you know, the teams that struggled in week one probably needed to. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But um, obviously there are question marks. It wasn't as if, you know, week one was going to happen and we wouldn't have questions. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Um, this season is different than last season. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, my, I looked at some teams, like you said, and we'll discuss them when we get into their top ten breakdown in just a few moments that needed to be a wait. Maybe their schedule's not as tough the rest of the year. Maybe they were overhyped all season. Now they got a scare. Now they'll come out and start playing better. But the the biggest improvement is from week one to week two. That's where you see the biggest jump. But the problem for the SEC, Trey, is, you know, from one to two, now you're playing some real cupcakes in week two now. So how do you really know if you improve if you're an SEC team? Well, I mean, you won't in a lot of ways in some of these, these cupcake games that we'll get. I mean, it's not just the SEC. Florida State plays with Citadel this weekend. I mean, so, you know, other than guys getting on the field and playing a little bit who are inexperienced, you're not going to learn a whole lot. And, and you know, Hector, even Muschamp has his guys coming back after his uh, one-play rainout suspension. So, I mean, you, you don't learn a whole lot um, sometimes in week two as much as you learn in week one. Well, I'm sure they learned their lesson after after watching that lightning storm pass over and and the flooding. But you know, we we're going to talk college football tonight. But that's the main thing we're going to talk about. But Trey, let's go to the NFL for 
few moments and, and discuss some things. Kickoff, the first kickoff is Thursday night, Green Bay at Seattle. And the first question I'm going to ask you, Trey, are you ready to see Green Bay beat Seattle week one? Oh, man, I've been waiting on this game. So I am 100% ready for this game. I think Green Bay is going to play a lot better uh, this year defensively with Peppers. I imagine Clay uh, Matthews is going to have a career year. I think a lot of people in you know, survivor pools and that kind of stuff took teams like Seattle and you know banked them into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm having a real tough time with them this year and where you predict them. Uh, I think that we're going to see Green Bay win week one. I, w- I would love to see it. Um, Seattle, some, I mean, they don't look like a team to me that's real good in the first of the season. I see Aaron Rodgers preparing all season for this game, really, just to, to make a statement. The Packers should be, you know, in position to win that game. Seattle has a great home field advantage, but I don't. if, if the fans aren't cheering, Trey, then it's not going to really make a difference when Aaron Rodgers takes the first possession 70, 80 yards for a touchdown, you may not hear from him again. So I'm sure Aaron Rodgers, as cocky as he is, he's going to have it on his mind to shut him up early. But we'll touch on that game Wednesday night when we come back. But big news in the NFL, your thoughts, Trey, Michael Sam, getting cut by the St. Louis Rams, and so far no one has picked him up. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, so far nothing, but, um, you know, He's not the only seventh-round draft pick out there. He had a great preseason. Um, the guy who actually beat him out on the Rams roster had a really good preseason, too. He was an undrafted guy. So I think if you're a team, you, you go out there and take a chance on this guy because, I mean, he had some really great preseason numbers. And, and you think about the team he was drafted on, Trey, was very deep at the defensive line position. So, you know, Fisher said he got a lot better from the time he showed up to camp until he left. And, you know, they didn't have enough room for him right now, but are you telling me that there's an NFL team out there that couldn't use the former SEC Defensive Player of the Year on their team? And I, I think somebody's going to get him, but, but does he have to go to the practice team, Trey? Can he not be signed by another team? And like put on the roster, does he have to be on the practice roster? Yeah, he can be signed straight to the roster, but I think more than likely he'll be signed to someone's practice roster. Um Look, I agree with you, man. This guy produced at the SEC level. He can produce in the NFL. He showed them in the preseason. Um, and he's, you know, he's not the only guy. I mean, Champ Bailey was cut from the Saints. I mean, there's some big-time guys out there, talent, um, who aren't with NFL squads right now uh, who are scrambling for jobs. Hey, Trey, are you in the, are you in the bathroom right now? Are you, are you still embarrassed to come out of the bathroom since Florida State almost lost? Or are you on a uh, Bluetooth or something? Yeah, hold on. I'll, I'll switch over in a second. Okay, I was just asking. I just heard a. It just you sounded a little mumbled. I thought it was embarrassment, almost losing Florida State game. But we'll talk about that in a little while too. But but Trey, are you more excited that Thursday night's kicking off the NFL, or were you more excited Thursday, this past Thursday night when college football kicked off? Is that better? Yeah. Okay, sounds better. I was no, going to ask you, Trey, are you more fired up with the NFL starting this Thursday, or were you more excited about the college football season? Yeah, I mean, it's equal. I love both. Um, they're amazing uh, for me. I love the fact that the NFL is kicking off, you know, fantasy football. Um, I love the NFL. Um, college was great this weekend. I got to watch a lot of games. I didn't think I would uh, being uh, on the road this weekend. But I, I was, 
you know, was, I had a good weekend, man. It was from Thursday on. It was a lot of football, a lot of fun. I can't wait till Sunday. I have NFL back. Yep, I have the Sunday ticket. I have Red Zone, and I have that channel where it express, I guess what it is, where it, it condenses all the games in 30 minutes. You can watch one game in 30 minutes. Well, I promise people, Trey, tonight, Wednesday night we'll do the AFC, tonight the NFC. I want to go through each division real quick, not long, because we want to talk college football tonight. And let's let's do some predictions. I need your division winner, and if a wild card will come out of that division, and if so, who will it be? I don't want to go through every team's record, but we'll start in the NFC East, um, a division that last year Cuervo came out in the Eagles, and he, he stunned us all. They won it. This season, Trey, I see no other team that can win this division beside the Eagles. I mean, am I right or wrong? Well, I mean, excuse me, sorry. Um, all right, sorry, I had to mute myself for the second sneeze there. Um, I think this is a division, if you look at last year, Tarvin, the Eagles did come out of nowhere. And so you could have another team come out of nowhere. I mean, think about this. I mean, the Giants, who did pretty well in the preseason this year, um, you know, when I was discounting them, they're saying, hey, Eli, but Ruben Randall, the third-year receiver, could be a huge spark plug for them. I mean, we don't really know what to make of that defense. Washington has a ton of question marks. The problem with Dallas is, I mean, Jesus, can we put it in one important problem? There's so many. But the Eagles, I mean, they got rid of their best receiver, we don't, and Jeremy, Jeremy Macklin coming off an injury. So all of these teams have questions. I think the Eagles have the least amount of questions, Carmen, so I'm going to pick them to win the division. But I'll tell you, I would not be surprised if any of these teams won this division, including if RG3 had a, you know, had a, a bounce back year from a sophomore slump. I mean, I, I think any team in this division could win it. This division is just sort of just not, nothing but wild cards. Well, I think I'm with you on the Washington team, but I, I just can't picture the Giants and I can't picture the Cowboys because they burned me in the past so many times. And the Cowboys, Trey, 0-4 in the preseason. I know preseason's not everything, but that, that's bad. 0-4 in preseason. You're the only team that I can see, that I can tell that's 0-4. Well, Indianapolis is 0-4 as well. But Jerry Jones has run this team into the ground. Garrett's not the coach. I like Chip Kelly, that offense. I mean, he, look what he's done at the quarterback position with this team. I mean, everybody – on that offense is capable of taking it to the house, it seems like. So I'm excited. I have the Eagles coming out of this division, and I have no wild cards, Trey. Yeah, I have no wild cards either. And, and by the way, Harvard and I will post our predictions in, in the way in sports group after this, and we, we'll probably tag them on Twitter as well. So feel free to tag us and tell us what your predictions are as well or call in. Harvard, I'll move us to the NFC North. Last year, this division was won by Green Bay at 8-7-1. and seven and one. I remember there was a tie last year, uh, which just felt so wrong. I, I think the Green Bay Packers, just to cut this week, are going to be a much, much improved team. I think this is the division that could see the most improvement. I think every team will improve upon their win totals last year. You know, the, the Vikings had five wins. I see them getting better than that. Detroit seven, I think they could get better. Um, maybe eight and eight or nine and seven season. I think Chicago and Green Bay both went over ten. Uh, with Chicago, honestly, could be the the one that sets back in this division. But I'm going to go Green Bay to win this division, Tarvin, uh, with a wild card in Chicago. 
All right, so so there is only one wild card per NFC, right? Or there's two. There's, there's two wild there's cards, two. correct? Yeah, I'm sorry. Two wild cards. Two yeah. wild cards. And in this division, Trey, Minnesota being 4-0 right now in preseason, what do you think about that? I'll tell you what, Minnesota is a really interesting team. Adrian Peterson, obviously, you're very solid at the running back position. Matt Castle at quarterback, that's the question I have. Defensively, I think they're going to be okay. Receiver, they have a couple of question marks. Can Patterson step up and be a number one type of guy? Um, but the real team, I mean, the, both them and Detroit, I'm really interested in seeing what um, what they're going to do, especially from the defensive side of the football. I think offensively, Minnesota and Detroit are going to score. So, I mean, I think, honestly, Chicago could be the one, the pick, you know, wild card that could be out there. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota made a playoff push. I wouldn't be surprised like they did two years ago. Well, Jason Minson follows the Minnesota Vikings in this division. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Darvin. What do you think about the Minnesota Vikings 4-0 in the preseason right now? I mean, it, this team is capable of, of winning a division, making a wild card or something. Let us know what you think. Well, I think a wild card is definitely possible. Um, I liked what I saw in the preseason. Um I know a lot of people don't put stock in um, records in preseason. You know, most people say the only people to be concerned are the people who don't win in preseason. But I see a 4-0, and I see that four wins without AP. Um, Castle looks solid. Um, Love Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Had an excellent preseason. And when the Vikes played the Titans, that was basically Ponder's audition for another team. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't see Ponder being relevant at all going forward. Um, I agree with Trey. I mean, I think the question is, it's not offense. It's what are they going to do on defense? Um, <clears throat> but you know, you got a lot of your first-round draft picks from the previous year um, that I think will step up this year. I think they will become the playmakers they should be, like Sharif Floyd. Um, Losing um, Allen, eh, it was time. I mean, he didn't have the season he's usually used to. So if we can stop people, I definitely can see a playoff. Um, I don't think we'll win the division outright. I think we're we're still behind Green Bay. Um, they're going to be the team basically to beat this year. Chicago, I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I you know I don't know what I'm going to see. Um, that's hit or miss. So, but yeah, I, I feel good. I feel good about my bikes this year. I feel good. And I would, too. The Minnesota Vikings, and guys, we'll bring y'all back on once we get into the college here in just a few minutes. Trey, I mean, I like the Vikings in this. Am I ready to put them in the wild card? I think so, man. I I, I think Bridgewater is going to be playing quarterback, and you know I I think I made you mad yesterday when I drafted your two quarterbacks, Trey, Bridgewater and Bortles. I didn't even know you drafted Rich Fletcher. <laughs> um, I, I got the <laughs> I got the guy who I wanted, which was uh, which was Carr, who's actually starting week one. So um, we'll see. <laughs> I think I think. Well, you know, you know what I did, Trey. You, you, you know what I did this year in drafting is 
usually, you know, I do look at rankings and stuff and, and look at that. This year, I didn't even look at one ranking. I just went through based on my five keepers and started drafting. We'll see what happens. I mean, you never know. This is a dynasty keeper league, so hopefully Bridgewater will come through. But I like Green Bay winning this division, Trey. I just think there's too much firepower. Eddie Lacy running the football gives them a perfect balance to to protect Aaron Rodgers, really. I, I think that helps him so much, having a bruiser at running back. Jordy Nelson coming back. I don't know about the Green Bay defense, Trey, but I think it'll be improved. So I'm going to say Green Bay wins this division, and Minnesota squeaks in a wild card. Adrian Peterson could have a big season. You know, he doesn't have many more left, probably, but this could be it. So, so yeah, you I mean, said Green Bay and Chicago. Carbon, right? get Minnesota, but this division, Carbon, this could be like sort of like the SEC. I mean, where you have a lot of offense with you know a lot of scores going up there. Because I really don't don't know what we're going to see out of defenses from Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago or Green Bay, especially in the secondary for Green Bay and Chicago. So we'll have to see, Tarvin. I think uh, we both have two come out, come out of here, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and then the NFC South is very interesting. I think there's three teams in here that could could win the division. You have Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta. Atlanta coming off a, a bad season with a lot of injuries. New Orleans, a lot of different things going wrong last year. But at the end of the, end of the day, you look at Drew Brees, you look at that offense, and, Trey, I can't see any other team right now besides New Orleans winning it. The, the big question is, will Carolina be good enough for Atlanta to make a wild card? Yeah, I, I think this is a division that changes the flips. Last year they had New Orleans a wild card, and Carolina was 12-4 in their division champion. I, I could honestly see this division flipping where Atlanta or Tampa actually wins it. I think Tampa's going to be very improved this year. Not enough to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be really, really good. Uh, Atlanta, I think, is going to be middling. Uh, I have New Orleans winning the division, Tarvin, and uh, Carolina sitting out. So I have New Orleans as a division champion uh, without uh, a wild card. The Carolina Panthers, a question mark. I mean, Cam Newton's health. He had surgery in the offseason on his ankle. Then he gets a, a cracked rib or something. I mean, even without the injury and everything, Trey, looking at Cam Newton, who does he have to throw to besides Kelvin Benjamin, really? I mean, are they good enough? The defense is good enough to, to win, but over a 16-game season, it's just going to be hard to to win with just defense alone. Do they have a chance to make a wild card at least? I think they do. I think defensively they're going to be in a lot of games. The question I'm going to have is how often are they playing in short field that, that defense? Um, you know, how often do they have their backs against the goal line? After a turnover or, or you know bad punting, you know field position type stuff, um, and I, I think Carolina is going to be decent this year. I mean they're not going to fall off the you know the face of the NFL. You know you're talking about two teams in this division who basically Carolina really uh, were helped out last year with Atlanta and Tampa Bay, both who one and five in the division. So there are a lot of wins for New Orleans and Carolina that I think are going to be a lot tougher this season, and I think that's the difference for Carolina. Yeah, I'm going to pick New Orleans to win this division. I'm not going to be a Carolina homer. You know, I'm going to be realistic that they need some help. And if Cam Newton can – can the difference is this is the NFL. He can't do it like in college and throw a team on his back and run his way to a championship. You have to use everybody on the field in the NFL, and he's just not good enough to, to do that right now. He's not healthy enough, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Cam Newton may surprise us this year, but nobody else comes out 
New Orleans is the only one, and that takes us to the West, which, my God, you're talking about the SEC West, the NFC West, Seattle, San Fran, Arizona, and St. Louis. I see two teams, Trey, really. I see Seattle, San Francisco, which I'm more confident with San Francisco at the quarterback position and just all around the defense. San Francisco, this is their division, and it's time that they, they step up and win it again, Trey. I don't see Seattle repeating and, and actually going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll tell you, I really struggled with this, this the NFC, I guess, when it comes to the playoffs. Um, I have San Francisco, at times when I was going through this, I had them out of the playoffs. They were they had a terrible preseason. Um, but I just, I look at that team and they have the receivers now for Kaepernick. It, now is their time. I'm going to pick them to win the division. And I'll tell you, there are times that I had them not winning the division. Had it not been for Arizona and St. Louis having preseason injuries, I probably would have changed this, this whole thing up. But I'm just too concerned with some of the defensive injuries. Darnell Dockett for, for Arizona is going to be a huge injury for them. Of course, the quarterback position at St. Louis sets them back. So I, I think because of that, um, this division is still going to be very tough. But I think Frisco is going to have enough to win the division. And I'm going to let Seattle into the playoffs. Uh, I think they're, gonna not, they're not going to be as tough as they were last year. But they get in with a wild card. But who knows? Arizona could surprise us with you. Well, Jason makes a good point in the chat room about he has no faith in San Francisco. They do live or die with Kaepernick. What if Kaepernick gets hurt, Trey? What does San Francisco look like? Are they capable of winning a division as tough as that without Kaepernick? Oh, they're absolutely not tough enough, Carvin. They're, they're absolutely not tough enough. Uh, and in fact, that was that's one of the things that you could peck at and say this team, you know, would basically crumble. And I think at that point, uh, then the wild card is wide open for grabs, including um, maybe a second team out of the South or even um, or even in Arizona. So uh, I agree with Jason in that regard. I think Seattle's sort of in the same boat. I and mean, what happens if Russell Wilson gets hurt? I mean, there are some teams out there who really don't have a backup that makes you. Um, it worries you as a defense. I'll tell you, the one thing I'll look for this year is Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I think he's a step back, and I think his backup, Christine, uh, has a much better year this year. So look for him to, to actually pick up the load in Seattle. Well, I'm going to pick San Francisco to win the division, Seattle to make the wild card. Arizona is Carson Palmer. That's all i got to say. St. Louis without Bradford, I really don't see them making it the entire season. The defense looks good. I like that. But at the end of the day, you have to have good quarterback play to to take it to the next level. So I don't think there's any surprise here. But I do want to ask you about Carlos Hyde at San Francisco, you know, coming out of Ohio State. Trey, tell me your opinion of him. I think he's good enough, you know, if Gore struggles, and I think he will, to take that team over. I mean, he's a bruising back, and I can see him having a big season, one of those rookie sleepers out there. Well, I think a lot of people are saying that, uh, and the part of me has said that about a, about a back for the 49ers every single year. I mean, we thought <laughs> that when Oregon, you know, the guy from Oregon went there, uh, that for sure that you know he was going to take over from Gore because of all that speed, and I think now he's on the Eagles team. I mean, so uh, just Frank Gore is 31 years old, and I don't know what's going on, but he seems to play a whole lot, and we all expect him to break down. I mean, maybe it is this year, maybe it's not. I like Carlos Hyde a lot, but we'll have to see how much he plays. I mean, Frank Gore just seems to have it. Um, and I, I think every year I've, I've drafted against Frank Gore and been bitten by that one in fantasy football, except for this year. So he'll probably break down this year. 
Well, I, I think I, I kicked everybody's butt in the draft yesterday. I got back the grade, and it wasn't too good, Trey, for CBS, which makes me believe that my draft was actually amazing considering because every year I get a good draft grade, I don't do as well. So this year I didn't get the draft grade. I didn't go after the, the top dogs like everybody else was. I, I went out and pieced my team together. But a running back, this may make Sonya happy that I picked up in the draft, and I think it's going to have a good year. Mark Ingram from the Saints. Trey, give us your thoughts real quick before we move on to college football. Mark Ingram, is this finally the year he puts it together? No. I mean, they have they have three guys who are going to play. I mean, they have Robinson, Pierre Thomas, and uh, Ingram. I mean, he, he's going to be splitting carries. Uh, he's just not a back who can carry the load. He's not that good. He's not good enough um, to be the sole guy in New Orleans. So um, I think you'll see again he'll have decent numbers, but he he's not going to break out. I mean, really, what besides Adrian Peterson, really, what what running back can carry the load for a team? And uh, who, who's the running back you drafted early uh, that I questioned? Was it Gearhart? You drafted him. Toby Gearhart in the second, yeah. Second, why, why are you so high on him? Well, he, he's going to be the primary guy. Uh, he's not splitting carries three ways. Um, but also remember, Carmen, I have LaShawn McCoy and Jamal Charles, so uh, I was pretty decent to start off on that. I was drafting depth <laughs> at that point. Well, I have so, AP, I have Adrian Peterson and Eddie Lacy. I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, you're, you're not bad either. You know, my guys just finished one and two last year, and I won the championship, so and I'm okay. Yeah, my dad can whip your dad. <laughs> All right, buddy, let's go to the AFC. Um, All right. No, no, AFC, no. AFC is tomorrow or Wednesday night. Oh, okay. All right. AFC is – we're saving this. We're going to do an hour show tonight, and we're focusing now on college football. So slow your roll. I want you to think about this one now. You didn't, you right. didn't read my message, did you? You didn't read my messages, did you, Trey? <laughs> I never read your messages. All right. <laughs> well, college football is here again. And, and Thursday night, Trey, it, it just started off with a shocker. And – I mean, if the shocker was, I mean, not, not really that A&M won the game. It was the way they won it. If you go back to the show last Wednesday night and we did the preview, we were both, see why we were both kind of worried about South Carolina and we were questioning A&M's ability. But did you see this coming? Did you see A&M going on the road and putting up 52 points on a Steve Spurrier team that hadn't lost actually in what, about 18 home games, something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I came close, and you know I, t- you know, I talked to all, after the show real close to predicting A and M uh, to win the game. Now, I didn't. I, there's no way I thought Kenny Hill was going to set her, you know, fifth best best passing yards in the SEC or whatever he did. Uh, there's no way I thought that was going to happen. But I really thought that A and M was just was going to be able to plug and play and get new guys in there. They had they have too many skill guys, uh, and that offensive line was going to be okay. And yeah, and the question I still had about. A&M was, was this going to be a 42-38 loss um, like we've seen a couple of times before. And that's, so, I mean, I thought they would compete, and I thought they would test Carolina, but I didn't really thought that Carolina and the running the football would run down or wear down the A&M defense. Uh, and that didn't happen. And so I wasn't surprised that A&M w- was competitive, but I was very surprised that, that South Carolina wasn't uh, because they came out about as flat as I've seen a Spurrier coach team in a long time. Well, you just sold my thunder, Trey, and and that's what you know. In the off season, Spurrier did say something about criticizing Nick Saban. It's like he works too hard, you know. Well, maybe Spurrier should work a little harder. 
if if he's going to have his team prepared. This wasn't like Alabama were versus West Virginia. This wasn't like a 22-point spread. This was a 10-point spread at home, about right. And you look at it, you have to take Texas A&M, a conference opponent, serious. And, and looking at it, Spurrier did not. It looks like the team bought into the hype. They bought into all the predictions. And believe it or not, Trey, South Carolina has been preparing for Georgia for a long time. And I, I really do believe they – they didn't prepare as much for Texas A&M because they didn't realize how good the quarterback was. But if you if you look at it though, if you look at the quarterback for for A&M, it wasn't like he he did an amazing job. The secondary wasn't covering these receivers. It was just pitch and catch, really short routes. Uh, the receivers taking it after the catch and going. I mean, the, the quarterback did good. But do you think Hill is just a little bit overrated after that game? Maybe people are giving him too much love. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, part of, part of, I guess, when you come out like like you did, um, and like you know, Jameis Winston did last year, is how you keep going. Um, Johnny Menzel, the same thing. You've seen Heisman winners very, you know, start off the season and sort of out of nowhere, and he would be one of them if he were to do that. I mean, so we have to see how he progresses now. I mean, if he buys into his own hype and you know doesn't prepare, there's some defenses that are coming that are going to fool him. Um, and it's a matter of what he wants to do to prepare because, I mean, he's got the skill set, Tarvin. He was a great recruit coming out of, out of high school. He was a very, um, you know, very high-ranking high, high ranking recruit. Uh, he was coveted by a lot of schools. So he's got the talent. Uh, but, you know, you can't just go out there one game and be anointed king. It, it takes a lot of work. Well, I, I think you look at South Carolina's defense, and they don't have the – the playmakers, and, the, and they said it on ESPN the other night, you don't lose Clowney and some other All-Americans and, and think you're just going to not miss a beat. And I think South Carolina, they're going to have to learn to play without Clowney. And, I mean, they don't have the, the top-tier talent when I look at it to, to be able to stop a team like A&M. And I think it's a mismatch. It's a system problem. A&M has the better system, and they plugged the quarterback in, and it worked. But I did see improvement. Texas A&M on defense, even though, you know, the secondary for A&M is not that good. They have a hard-hitting safety. I don't think A&M is there yet. I thought, you know, they started out 21st in the polls, Trey, and now I see people with them in their final four. I'm not ready to put Texas A&M in the top ten just yet, are you? Not yet. I mean, they have a a really – I mean, they have to play in the SEC West, which is, you know, a totally different ball game than the SEC East, which is, you know, SEC is weak at times and a lot of weak games. Uh, but the West is, is brutal. I mean, they still got to go through Auburn, LSU, um, and Alabama. Uh, so, I mean, they have they have some rough games ahead. Um, we'll see how they do in that, that schedule. I mean, before I want to see them play one of those teams before I'm ready. Sorry, I had the magazine in your ear. I was trying to see their schedule. They, like you said, they go, they play, they host Arkansas. I don't think that'll be a problem. Then they go to Starkville, at Alabama, at Auburn. They host LSU. I mean, it's just a lot of games. Sorry, my dog won't get out of the room over here, so I'm back. Um, but I, I just don't see them, the team that's going to be able to win this division. I'm sorry. I, I think it's a a two-team race in the West, and it's it's Auburn or Alabama, but I just think the hype is way, way too much 
for Texas A&M, Trey. And, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to bash it. But don't be surprised next weekend when South Carolina is at home, they beat Georgia. And maybe we'll start stop hearing about this Georgia team so much, another team that people have in their final four all of a sudden. Well, I mean, Georgia, a lot of people were hyped up in the preseason. I'll tell you, they played a lot better than I thought they were going to play, and I'll hold off on them. But, uh, yeah, I'll hold off until we get to that game, I guess. All right. Well, let's move on to what, what game are we on? We're going to skip Louisville, Miami at 7-7 in the first quarter. Trey, let's uh, let's move right now to the next game. Do you have it? Is it Penn State? Yeah, Central it's the Florida? Penn State uh, Ireland Bowl, if you would, UCF. A lot of people picked UCF in this game, Tarvin. You and I were uh, talking about how Penn State – it was a really good game, by the way. I really This was a really great way to start off a Saturday watching this game, watching Penn State come back at the very end. Um you and I aren't Franklin fans, but I got to tell you, the quarterback at Penn State was something crazy. That that kid's got talent. We talked about it in the preseason show. Um, Penn State's got something special in him, and I, this is a great win for Penn State. Yeah, I mean Hackenberg, amazing. Don't get me wrong, but the rest of the team is who what I have questions about. I wasn't very impressed with this just the team in general. Hackenberg is the reason they won the game. It wasn't Franklin. I mean, Franklin had to come back in a minute left in the game to beat a Central Florida team that I think is, is very under-talented, like from last year. They lost Bortles and some other ones. Um, but, Trey, I'm not ready to crown Franklin Big Ten Coach of the Year. I can't stand the guy. And I know that, that does affect the way I feel about his team. But I hated Penn State before, not just when Franklin went there. I didn't like him. But Penn State, are you ready to call them contenders in the Big Ten? Oh, no, 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 no. It's a little too early for that. I mean, this is – UCF's a good team, by the way, and I don't discount the win. I mean, UCF is um, has been sort of the three-star um, – a lot of three-star guys, and you might think three-stars don't mean talent, but three-star three guys out of Florida who have a lot of speed and a lot of talent. So for Penn State, it's still depleted as they are to win that game. You're right. I mean, I think you put all that on the quarterback position. That kid's going to be – I'll tell you this right now. That kid's going to be really good in the NFL. Um, and so I think he is the reason they won the game. We'll have to see him the rest of the team for sure. Sorry, guys. I got to, I had to mute myself a moment. I have a, uh, a dog on cocaine, it looks like, running around the house with a squeaky toy right around the studio door squeaking it. So if you hear that for a minute, I apologize. Maybe he'll, he'll slow down in a minute. But, Trey, I, I was impressed with Penn State, like, just getting the win, it was a big win for them. But I'm, I'm not ready to put them in the category of Michigan State yet and, and some other teams in the Big Ten. But Franklin's got them headed in the right direction. The next game that that really didn't surprise us, we talked about it Wednesday mm-hmm. night, right? UCLA went to Virginia. Virginia actually played like a team at home. That The offense didn't look good in the first half. They really shot themselves in the foot. But UCLA with one offensive touchdown in this game, and – and, and you said it going into the show, you weren't very high on Hundley. You didn't really feel good about him getting all the hype. UCLA dropped a lot in my book after that game. And I know it's one game, Trey, but UCLA, I don't think they have what it takes to be a four-team playoff. Well, Hundley struggled, if you remember, the very beginning of last year. So I knew he was a slow starter uh, based on what he's done in college so far. So that's one of the reasons why. I think he'll get better. Uh, but there are some serious doubts about this team, uh, for sure. I mean, Virginia gave this game away uh, and really could have won this game. I mean, you're talking about three defensive touchdowns for UCLA. 
And by the time, and this is where you, you talk about the UVA coaching moves, by the time they benched their starting quarterback, I mean, they'd already given up three interception touchdowns. Uh, and the guy who came in, the backup, was, was amazing. He, was, he actually played very, very well in this game. And so you got to wonder, if the coach had made an earlier decision, maybe UVA shocks the world, if you will, and takes down, you know, number seven UCLA, Tarvin. Uh, but, yeah, you come out of this game and UCLA looks real suspect. Um, and now i got to think, you know, not putting them in my final four, if you will, was probably a great decision. I think UCLA is going to slip up for sure. Tumley's got to get a lot better. Well, I think, too, this could work in the positive for UCLA. Maybe the coach was having trouble getting their attention to focus on West Virginia, excuse me, the first game. Maybe they were reading the press clippings thinking they were better, and maybe that's exactly what it took. But I look at that offense, and I just don't see how it can beat like an Oregon or, or some other team, Southern Cal right now, that's going strong. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Hundley will surprise me in this UCLA team. I like the defense. It looks good. But the offense has to get better. And Trey, the next game is is was a big one. You know, I don't know if you got. Did you go to the Alabama, West Virginia game? Did I go to it? No, uh, I didn't go to it. Um, but I did. I did watch. Um, I did watch almost the whole thing. Um, I'll tell you what really surprised me was was Sims. Uh, he had some really good moments. It was very consistent. He got he got a, he scrambled away from pressure, which was um, a really good game changer for Alabama. But then he didn't throw very well when he was on the run. So you saw some of that inconsistency in Sims. But 73% completion percentage. The yardage fiddles are good. Uh, he's got all the weapons around him, Tarvin. Uh, we'll have to see. I still think he's going to be prone to turnovers in big games, but. Sims with a good start, man. I was really impressed by him. Well, the question going into the game was Sims. You know, how will he be able to to perform? Will they be able to beat West Virginia? Or really, it was how bad are they going to beat West Virginia? It wasn't ever in question. But the defense to Alabama seemed to be the problem, really. It wasn't Sims as much as it was the defense. Did it surprise you how many yards Trickett threw well, on the team? What was it, like 370, something like that? Yeah, he, he threw all over that secondary. Um, but you know, the, And that's another issue is, you know, you got to think, Quinn Trinket is not exactly a great quarterback passing sort of at will at times against that secondary. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll see uh, on the secondary if they can get better. Well, it's another that's, – that's three games in a row. They had Auburn, Oklahoma, and West Virginia, and the common denominator was all run, hurry up, kind of no huddle offenses – and the difference with West Virginia than the other ones is the talent. West Virginia doesn't have the talent. But I think it was a good wake-up call for the Crimson Tide, and we'll bring on Sonia Minson right now. She's a big Bama fan. She watched the game probably a little more close than we did since she she loves Alabama yeah. football. Sonia, Sonia, give us your, oh, your thoughts up? on the game. I loved the game. Our, our offense, let me back up and say this first of all. Big props to WVU. They came to play. I got to give them big props. That team came to play, so I have to give them props. The fans, from everything I heard from uh, people, you know, my family and stuff that were there and friends and stuff on Facebook were so, so nice. There was no, you know, smack talk or whatever, just like regular Bama games. So I just want to say big shout-out to WVU. Now back to Blake Sims. Blake Sims had the highest numbers ever for a starting quarterback in Bama history in his first game. 
He threw one interception. Blake Sims, and I know I have been critical of him because we all have. He has not shown that confidence. But I'm telling you, he showed up Saturday. If he keeps improving, oh, my God. And the one thing I love about him, that boy can run. He reminded me somewhat of a young Vic at Virginia Tech and on some of those plays. I'm just like, where did that dude, where have you been hiding all of this? How come we didn't see this? You know, I mean, seriously, that's how most Bama fans felt. It's like, where did you come from? And I think having Coker there and also, you know, with the change with Kiffin, just having that that confidence, it did really, really built up his confidence because that's the first time I've ever seen a confident Blake Sims in any Bama game. And I'm talking spring, practice, whatever. Now, defense, on the other hand, and special teams, we need to have a talk. I'm not sure what happened, if Trey DePriest is that much of a leader that his absence is is missed in that one game, then we got some issues. And I have to wonder if Nick Saban was spending more time making sure Lane wasn't screwing stuff up and not focusing on the defense. That was not a typical Alabama defense. Uh, I know it's the first game. I'm just like everybody else. It's one game, so you cannot judge a season or a team off of one game. Seriously, you can't. But the one thing that one game will show you about your team is where their strengths are and what they need to work on. I don't know what the hell happened to our defense. They did show up when we need them. They made some great stops. I'll give them that. But that was not a typical Bama defense, and I was not happy with that. Special teams, our kicker, oh, my God. Lee Tiffin Jr., we finally have a kicker that actually knows that the ball goes between the uprights, okay? So I'm happy for that. He was awesome, very confident, very accurate, very I'm, – I'm looking for great things from that kid. But as far as just – I don't know what was going on with defense and special teams. I'm serious. But that is an area that I'm sure, you know, Nick Saban will address, address – will address. And we will be at the game, as a matter of fact, next Saturday. We're going to that game. So we'll be able to see up close, and uh, that way I can make sure that Nick's connection to my red phone, because I picked up that red phone about, I'd say, eight or nine times during that game. I had to call Nick and say, what the hell is going on? We need to fix this. But it was a great game. Props to WVU. So, so proud of Blake Sims. Oh, my God. Henry Yeldon, Amari Cooper, Christian Jones. Just loved seeing that. So offense, no problem. It's only, it's only going to get better. So I have to say, Lane Kiffin lasts another week with me. If he continues and I continue to see our offense like this, he survives. And I will, mm-hmm. I'll just say I'll turn the, the fire Lane Kiffin bus, I'll just put it on idle. All right. Well, thanks, Sonia, for the analysis. And, Trey, I talked to – Ryan Fowler, he's with 99.1 FM, the game in Tuscaloosa before the show. And and he told me, he said, Brian, I'm depressed. You know, and I'm like, why, Ryan? He said, you know, this Blake Sims, he, he's not big on Sims. He, he's very disappointed in the defense. And he still believes that this team is a three-loss team. And, and he says Coker – you know, is the better athlete, like throwing the ball, has a better arm, better quarterback, but he'll never beat out Blake Sims because he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have that command of the huddle. He doesn't have the leadership, really. Blake Sims has all those tools. But are you are you ready to say that Alabama is a three-loss team right now? Are you not very confident in that? No, I mean, they have a – I want to see them against the next big competition. I mean, Western Virginia – 
I mean, here's the thing. West Virginia, I mean, put all their wins together in the last three seasons, um, and maybe, maybe they have maybe, what, maybe 20 wins the last three seasons combined. I mean, for the West Virginia, they're a developing team still. Uh, a decent opponent from the start for Alabama to see sort of where they are and where they can improve. But I, I won't make a decision on the Bama until I see them really against, still against Florida. That's where I want to see what Florida looks like and what they look like. Um, but I, I'm not confident they're a three-loss team. No, I, I'm still not anywhere close to there. I mean, that, they still got way too much running room in that game, and, and they got a lot of things they can improve on. But, I mean, so did every other team who is in top five. So, well, um, well Trey, but, the problem I have is, is, is Ryan is an Alabama homer. I mean, that's why he is. He'll tell you on his radio show he's a Bama homer, but he he's very accurate in what he says over the past couple of years. You go look at his predictions, and for some reason he really doesn't like this team, and and I don't I don't understand. And he's the biggest Bama man there is. He he interviews every Bama head coach, uh, ex player, and everything, but he's just real sad about it. But I'm not ready to to say that just yet. But it does concern me if I'm an Alabama fan, his feelings. Because going into the season when Coker signed, he was he was pumped about it because he knew Blake Sims and his mind wasn't the quarterback to take him to that next level in the championship, and he still does it. But do you think Coker will ever take over the reins of this team? Well, for now, I don't think he will. I mean, the the knock on Coker is the command of the huddle. That's, that's you know, the, the players have more confidence in Sims and that kind of stuff. I think it'll take it'll take Sims struggling against Florida in a pretty severe way for Coker to really come in. And if Sims does that, then I think you will see Coker. Um, but if not, uh, you know, I think Sims is the guy this year. And, and I'm interested to see how Alabama does against the Floridas. You know, a, a team with a good defense and and Alabama or Texas A&M, LSU, Auburn, and Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and teams like that. That's where. Blake Sims is going to be huge, Trey. If he's not the quarterback that's expected of him to be, they're going to be in some trouble, especially if the defense doesn't get better. I think the defense will get better. West Virginia is one of those kind of offenses that's very hard to stop. Really, Trickett's not a bad quarterback. I mean, he, he's not. He, Florida State recruited him for a reason. Um, he left. He's a coach's son. So we'll see about the tie. They play who they play? Florida Atlantic this week. Yeah, I think they like play that. Florida Atlantic. So, I mean, we won't know Alabama's improvement until they play Florida. And we don't know what Florida is because they got rained yeah. out. So, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm ready to see what Bama does. And, Trey, take us on to the next one. Yeah, so our, our next game is um, – oh, my computer's coming out here. The Arkansas, Arkansas. at Auburn. Yep. So, Tarvin, I'll start off. I know you have a lot to say on this game. But I'll, I'll tell you, the one thing I liked was the improvement in the second half. Giving up 21 points in the first half was, was a little concerning defensively for Auburn. Uh, Jeremy Johnson was incredible in this game, if you missed that in the first half. Um, and equally impressive was the Arkansas running team. I, I, I love Tarvin. Uh, here's the thing. I think Auburn looked pretty scary to me. I really liked Auburn in this game, especially in the second half. I liked the way they changed it up on defense and shut him down. I really liked seeing Jeremy Johnson. I almost think he's better than, than Marshall. Um, and, you know, Tarvin, let me ask you this. Um, are you going to change your predictions after this game? Is Arkansas a one-win SEC team now? I really don't think uh, – I don't even know if they'll win a game in the SEC, but I do think they're improved. And that offensive line of Arkansas really impressed me in the first half. 
the running backs. They have three pretty good running backs. The quarterback's all right. But Arkansas came to play, and you could tell, Trey, I guess the difference is, is Auburn was the hunted, really, in this game, and you could tell they were circled on Arkansas's calendar. That's one thing you can see. And Auburn seemed on defense to me a little overhyped at first. They were too too ready to go, 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 and Arkansas just, just used that against them. And But it, isn't that a good problem to have, to have two quarterbacks, the caliber of Nick Marshall and Jeremy Johnson, your backup comes in the first half and throws for 300 yards, and then your next, the next half, your really quarter, your real quarterback comes in and gets 300 total yards of offense, really, and 24 to nothing score. So, I was happy to see the second half adjustments. I was happy to see the offense gain 600 yards, Trey. That's what impressed me a lot about it. You're going to give up some points early in the season just to see where you are, but the defense really responded. What happened in the second half, Trey? Did did uh, Ellis Johnson come in and give him a good chewy? Well, I think what happened was is you know the quarterback is still developing in Arkansas, and I think they were able to scheme against him by putting an extra guy in the box. I mean, you saw more people in the box against uh, sort of overmatching that line. I think the off- offensive line for Arkansas got tired as well. Um, but I, I think talent won out in the second half. Uh, but I think uh, some good defensive adjustments schematically-wise uh, really helped Auburn. Uh, and that and the fact that I really think they were on the field offensively so much uh, that the offense for Ar- Arkansas really never got in the second half. Well, Brett Billima comes out in a jacket. He's trying to show his team how tough he is in the heat. But, but that Arkansas offensive line was good. I mean, it was very good. And they said it was the biggest offensive line actually in the NFL as well. So Arkansas is not ready to take that next step, Trey, I don't think, in the SEC by, by no means. They need a quarterback. They need some defensive help. But they came to play for a half at Auburn. They gave it all they had. And But I'm, I really like the Jeremy Johnson kid. And what I was going to ask you, Trey, about this two quarterbacks, I mean, how much more now does that does that put on the the defensive coordinator's mind for other teams? That You have a quarterback like Jeremy Johnson that could come in and stretch the field, really, with his arm. I mean, he throws missiles all over the field. I mean, but, but, but Nick Marshall is the quarterback of that team. That's not even a controversy. I don't think it changes any way you prep. I mean, uh, your defensive secondary still have to go back and follow receivers deep. I mean, so that's not what you prep for. I mean, you're prepping for the running game, you're prepping for the angles and that kind of stuff. You're getting your guys, um, you know, so they're not winded, that kind of stuff. So I don't think it, help, I don't think it, it changes the prep. Um, but I think it is something that if you're an Auburn fan, you got to almost look for next year and be like, man, we may be better at the quarterback position. Uh, I think you will be. Yeah, and I'm, I was impressed with Cameron Artis Payne coming back you know, losing Trey Mason and everything. The running game uh, didn't miss a beat. But Duke Williams, Trey, I think that's somebody that you have to look at going forward with Auburn. Very impressive receiver. I think he'll get better as the game goes on or as the season goes on. Sammy Coates is there. Just a, a good performance. I mean, I'm in, I'm impressed. 45-21, to 21, I wasn't happy with the first half, but I was very happy at the way the team responded. I mean, are you higher on Auburn after that game or are you about the same? Yeah, I think offensively I'm really impressed. But but I really want to see them against a good competition as well. Uh, but I came off, I'd say, a little bit more impressed um, for sure. I mean, I think they may be a little bit um, almost on the same playing field last year. The defense still was a little bit concerning, but we'll see. I mean, they have, they have developed, developing time as well. 
So I think their offense is, is equally as good as last year. Yeah, I'm ready to see it. I think it's going to be better than last year, given the, given it was the first game and then how many more we got left. So if Auburn takes it one game at a time, we'll see what they can do. One game at San Jose State next week. We'll follow that game closely. Trey, another team in the SEC that didn't impress me was Ole Miss against Boise State. Uh, Ole yeah. Miss looked terrible up until the fourth quarter, man. Yeah, I mean, Boise State is not a good team. I, mean, I looked at their quarterback, and this is a guy who would not play for almost any team in the top, in the Big Five. I mean, he, he, this is not a very talented team for Boise, unfortunately. This is not the team that I like to see them run out. I love to, I love to root for those guys. Uh, but the talent level was just not there for them. And Ole Miss still struggled. Uh, and everybody who was on the Bo Wallace bandwagon, uh, what are you thinking? I mean, Bo Wallace is not a Heisman candidate, never was. Um, and he showed it in this game against the subpar defense, just throwing the ball away, throwing it up for grabs. Tarvin, I'm just telling you right now, when Ole Miss finally plays somebody, they're going to get creamed. Yeah, I mean, they looked terrible, didn't they? Yeah, that defense, I think, is going to be okay. I mean, I, I liked the fact that uh, they're a solid mid-level defense in the SEC. I was uh, talking to Dr. SEC, if you don't follow him on Twitter, during the game on, on Twitter, and, and he thought they were top-tier SEC, and I listed six teams that I thought were better than them in the SEC defensively. Uh, so, you know, I mean, we'll see. That defense has a lot of talent, and offense clearly needs a lot of help. Um, they still have I mean, that receiver they had was was good. But, I mean, I just think that this team has still got a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of penalties, just terrible-looking team. Defense is good, but I, I think mm-hmm. Boise State was that bad, Trey. I think Boise State was that bad. I, I looked at them; they they didn't have the talent that I was. I thought they may have, but Ole Miss laid an egg, and they're lucky. It was seven to six in the fourth quarter. I mean, Ole Miss really looked bad for the SEC, and I know Ole Miss fans are beating their chest because they're looking at that score was at thirty-five to thirteen, but that game wasn't that far away. It wasn't that big of a blowout. No, I think in Ole Miss, it showed a lot of things we talked about in the preseason that are problems for them. Uh, that defense, if it gets better, they'll stay in a couple of games. But, man, Tarvin, they're going to get they're gonna get blown out in the, a couple of games this year. I really do feel that. Yeah, this, that's the team in the SEC that I think is overhyped. If you start talking about teams that, that if I had to guess were overrated after week one, it's Ole Miss. I think Mississippi State will probably be a better team than Ole Miss. But we'll see. You never know. I mean, Ole Miss is – they're – they're bipolar one week they show up when the next week they don't. But speaking of a, a scare, Trey, your Florida State Seminoles against Oklahoma State, that, that game was a dogfight, really. Oklahoma State came to play, but do you think Florida State was ready to play? No, and Jimbo Fisher talked about it after the game. He said basically that he had a tough time motivating the players to not ride the coattails of last season and believe their own hype and their own greatness. I, you know, and sometimes you hear that and it's just coaches speak, but what I kept watching was the offensive line. You have five guys who are apparently, you know, NFL-ready prospects. They're supposed to be touted as one of the best offensive lines in the country. Uh, they're all starting, like, their 100th game or whatever it is, and they were just, at times, um, lackadaisical, especially on running plays. I mean, they weren't pushing really um, – smaller guys uh, off the ball at all, even into the fourth quarter. So I think the offensive line, especially in the running game, has a lot of work to do. Pass protection was okay for them 
but then, you know, there's some things that we saw last year, Tarvin, with that defense. And Jeremy Pruitt, Charles Kelly type of scheme struggled in the beginning last year. If you don't recall the Pitt or the Boston College game last year when Andre Williams rushed for, like, what, 200-and-something yards against Florida State um, in the second game. So, I mean, this is a defense that struggled for a bit last year as well. Uh, so I think they're going to have some growing pains. Uh, at, we'll have to see if they come together like they did last year, Tarvin. What I saw last night was a team that could get beat. Yeah, uh, I saw a Florida State team that actually needed a wake-up call, maybe maybe some humbling. I mean, you win that many games in a row, you win a championship, you have a quarterback that's the, he's more arrogant than almost any person I, I see. But he does have fun out there on the field. Florida State lost a lot, Trey. They they did, and to replace those kind of players is going to take time. It's going to take some experience and some games. But looking at that Florida State schedule, I think they have the time to be able to improve and and to be able to get better by that Final Four. Do you think they could slip up, Trey, and and lose one of these games? I don't think Louisville can beat them. I don't think Miami can beat them, really, or Clemson. So, I mean, who do you see on this schedule that can be a real threat? Well, I think a lot of teams actually can. Um, talent-wise, they shouldn't. But remember, Florida State is its kind of like the hated team in the ACC. I mean, it's kind of like Alabama. You get the best game every single week that your opponents, and it's even worse now because they're the national champions. So we're going to see, you know, an NC State team who almost beats Florida State every year, um, you know, Clemson. I mean, a lot of these teams are going to come after Florida State for blood. And it's going to be – they're going to have to play their best game and be on their toes because it's going to be a different season. I really think that you're going to see a lot of close games at a Florida State this year. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You're, you're, you cover Florida State better than I do, so we'll see. I just – I mean, that's a lot of speed and talent. But I do want to say to Oklahoma State and Gundy out there, what a great, phenomenal job of representing your conference representing your team. Trey, Oklahoma State really impressed me the other night with how much firepower they have. They, those guys are fast. Well, that's hard. I mean, remember, this is a team that's won, what, 10 games a year for the past three seasons. So, I mean, they have talent. Um, but for some reason, they were they were sort of under-hyped. I mean, they started off, a lot of people had them, you know, they were going to be a ranked team, and they just weren't when the person the polls came out. So, I think Oklahoma State's going to give some people fits this year, but uh, definitely a good game for Florida State to get a wake-up call. And I think for Oklahoma State, maybe even to make a run in the Big 12, especially Tarvin. I know we don't have Baylor on our list, but Bryce Petty with two cracked vertebrae in the opening game for Baylor, who's only questionable. Uh, that could change a lot of things in the Big 12, too. Yeah, definitely. We'll keep an eye on the, the Oklahoma State. I think that could really give them some confidence, actually, to, you know, to, to see what they can do in the regular season. They, you know, they didn't expect to play Florida State that close. Nobody did. Trey, they could take this and build on it and, and make some noise in the Big 12 Conference. And welcome Brian Burgess in the chat room. Sonia had to leave us. Jason's still in there in the waiting room uh, with Dr. X, SEC, Trey, the one you just spoke about. He said SEC has the best conference, but the Big 12 made an argument for number two. Can't really – you know, disagree with him right now. We just have to see the season uh, unfold more. But trade number two game, Clemson at Georgia, a game that, you know, a lot of people, Georgia was favored 10 points at kickoff in this game. Gurley uh, took over that game, and wow, all you can say is what a performance by Gurley, but are you ready to crown Georgia 
champions just yet. Well, no, I mean, well, Georgia's had a lot of talent on their field early on in the season, a lot of seasons, uh, whether it's through injury or whatever. Um, and Jason just pointed out, Gurley has been a guy who's gotten hurt just about every year. So a lot of talent to that guy. Um, but let's be honest, Gurley's playing for an NFL career in a lot of ways. So he's he got to be careful. Um, and they have some talented backups. I mean, Marshall's still in that, that team, and we saw some other guys out there. But if, if Gurley goes down, I mean, this team is, is not the same team as we saw last year. So uh, if Gurley's healthy for this year, Tarvin, they're going to be a really dangerous team. Um, with Pruitt, who's, who's going to improve every game defensively uh, on that defensive coordinator. But I, I think we'll see. I'm still not convinced that Mason's the guy who can win a big game in the fourth quarter. Um, and we'll see if, if Gurley holds up. But if he does, Tarvin, I mean, he's got to be. Um, putting up well, what, Eisen type numbers in the end of the year. Well, Trey, after that performance in week one, Gurley got the nation's attention. He had it, but really, he's on every Heisman Trophy ballot, early preseason ballot, or season ballot there is. But when does he start thinking in his mind? They had him kicking, doing kickoff returns, which really concerns me with a player that's kind of injury prone. When does he kind of go into slowdown mode a little bit? Because he runs hard. If he gets hurt this year, it's going to be hard for him to be a first-round pick. So when does he start maybe putting the brakes on a little bit? Well, returning kicks is going to kill him. I mean, he's not going to last if he's returning kicks. I mean, that's the first thing that Georgia's got to do is pull him from returning kicks. Thank you. I saw that the other night, Trey, and I saw that the other night, and it really concerned me that that the best player on the field is returning kicks. And just think, you know how violent these things get in the SEC, especially in the SEC. It's like they'll try to kill you on special teams. Just think somebody takes out his knee. It's over, Trey. Georgia's season's yeah. over. And I know Chubb. I know Chubb's a good running back. People are high on him, but he's no Todd Gurley. So if I'm Mark Rick, I'm pulling him immediately from returning kicks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He doesn't return kicks anymore if, I, if I'm the quarterback, I'm the head coach. So, um, we'll see. Georgia's got a long way to go. Clemson was a team that I don't think should have been hanging around. They don't have the talent they've had the last couple of years. I was surprised they were still hanging around in the second half uh, until Georgia really started pulling away, which which is what I expected. But um, we'll see. I mean, Georgia is definitely not getting crowned anything at this point. But, I mean, they're still – it looks pretty good, Tarvin. I, I'll, I'll give them that. I was impressed. Well, I'll ask you right now. Name me two players off Clemson's team that, that's draft eligible that you look at could be an NFL player. <laughs> I, they have talent, but not not this year. They, they have they have a developing. They have a lot of talent. They got to develop. I mean, these guys. They have some freshmen and some sophomores that need a year or two, but not this year. Well, I'm still calling it right now. South Carolina is going to wake up. They're going to rebound from that humiliation at home, and they're going to host Georgia. Not this weekend, but in week three. And I'm still going to pick South Carolina to beat Georgia. I think they'll be able to contain Georgia's offense. A little better than uh, than A&M's. It's not a hurry up, no huddle. I'm interested to see Bobo, the offensive coordinator for Georgia in that game, but we'll preview that next weekend, Trey. And that takes us to the number one game, which, you know, I was already locking up my picks. I picked Wisconsin to beat LSU, and I was already the pick champion and everything. And all of a sudden, LSU went on a run and, and – and took back the the bragging rights because Wisconsin had that game twenty four to seven. What was Wisconsin doing, thinking not running the football anymore after the success they had in the first half? 
Well, that and Melvin Gordon didn't play in much of the fourth quarter, and, and he's, I mean, talking about NFL caliber running backs, I mean, Gordon is the guy, um, and he wasn't even on the field, and, you know, there's all this talk about whether he was injured and, you know, was it a serious injury? I mean, Gordon is a far better running back than what we were seeing on the field. And then I question the decision to start the quarterback that they did when you got your guy who started all your games last year, Tarvin, on your bench. Uh, because the, in the fourth quarter when the pressure was on, oh, man, Tarvin, that quarterback for Wisconsin played about the worst football I've seen in a big-time Division One quarterback role in a long time. So, I mean, it's hard to, to be one-dimensional. It's really hard to be one-dimensional when the best player on the field, arguably, in, in, in Gordon, isn't on the field. And then you have a quarterback who looked real scared for Wisconsin. So LSU, got to give them a lot of credit, man. They were real steady under pressure, just like, you know, they're used to playing in big games. Wisconsin, the quarterback, man, he looked like he had never played in a game in his life, especially a big one. <laughs> how did Fournette look to you, running back for LSU, in your opinion? How did he perform? You know, I, I, I wouldn't say I was impressed. I liked him. I want to see more. Uh, I think that LSU was able to wear down uh, a smaller line for Wisconsin, uh, and I think he took advantage of that. But he, I liked his, his spark in the fourth quarter running the football. He really ran hard, which I really liked. And Les Miles, I mean, I'm looking at LSU play, especially that first half and everything, it was like, okay, this is the LSU team that I thought they would be losing all they lost, Trey, but here they come again pulling the magic out. This LSU team, you can never count them out. <laughs> you can be up all you want on them, and they can come back. What is it about this team that allows them to keep doing that? Is, is it like the guy in the chat room said, Les Miles is the luckiest man in the world or what? I mean, this team refuses to to lose, really. Well, I think, you know, having a coach who's been in a lot of big games and won a big, you know, won the biggest game, I think it helps some of these younger players sort of get per, get perspective of these big games. I mean, this is a, like I said, the quarterback at Wisconsin played like a guy who hadn't played a high school football championship. I mean, he played in a, like he was scared. Where the LSU players played like, okay, we know how to do this. We've been coached how to do this. We can win this game. Uh, and so that, to me, is a lot of preparation. I mean, you got to give Les Miles credit in that regard. People call it luck, but a lot of times luck has come from preparation. Yeah, I think Les Miles makes these guys relax. I think that's one thing. You don't see them all nervous, acting like, you know, the the crap was hitting the fan 24-7, to 7, and with really no leadership out there, they were able to come in and actually take over a game. And really, I think the SEC would have taken a hit had Wisconsin beaten LSU, and like I said on the show, Wisconsin's schedule, you look at the rest of it, there's no reason to say they beat LSU, they can't win the rest of them. And I think they would be a team that got into the 14 playoff that, that really didn't deserve it. So I'm glad LSU just went ahead and knocked Wisconsin out of the Final Four, Trey. Well, I think with that quarterback play, even even because I thought that before the game too, um, but even even with that quarterback play, they would have lost somewhere down the line. I mean, that, just, that was, especially with the way they played Gordon with it. He wasn't hurt, Tarvin. That, that's some terrible coaching on Wisconsin's part. So there was a lot of mistakes made on Wisconsin's behalf. And unfortunately for Wisconsin, LSU was very cool under pressure. Uh, their players played very, very cool when it came to the pressure situations and slowly chopped that lead down. Uh, impressed with LSU. And, man, uh, Wisconsin coaching, quarterbacking decisions, a lot of question marks for that team. 
Well, are you do you have concerns of LSU when they play like Auburn, Texas A and M, Alabama, when they get into the meat of that SEC schedule? What concerns you about them? Well, I mean, some of what we saw with the way they got down for Wisconsin, they're not going to be able to get down and come back on these other teams. Um, and so that, that's the problem. I, mean, I think LSU is going to have some depth issues. They're not going to be able to wear down and, and have a, a, a quarterback, a coaching staff who gets sort of scared or whatever you want to call it uh, in the fourth quarter when some of these other coaches and other quarterbacks and other teams. So that and Brian Burgess just hit what I was about to say. The defensive front is going to wear down against some of these rushing attacks. And so I think LSU is going to have a lot of growing room this year. But it was a good win for them as a program and, and to knock off Wisconsin, big win for the Tigers. Yep, and they, after this year, I think, <laughs> I mean, you look at LSU, you look at Texas A&M, I mean, those two teams could be the top two dogs in the in the West. You never know, but it's loaded, man. The SEC West is going to be loaded from year, for years to come. And, and another game real quick before we go, Trey, that's all of our games on the list, but Ohio State looked human. They looked very vulnerable without Braxton Miller against Navy. They go play Virginia Tech this week. Ohio State's a big favorite. And is it, Am I crazy to think Virginia Tech can knock off Ohio State? No, no. I think Virginia Tech has a very good shot in this game. Um, we'll, we'll predict that one come Wednesday. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I tell you, man, I think Virginia Tech has a shot. I know. And another game we're going to talk about on Wednesday, Oregon, Michigan State. Michigan State travels to Eugene, Trey, and, and I got called crazy saying that Oregon was going to beat with Michigan State by two touchdowns. And actually, I looked at the point spread of this game after, and it's 13. Oregon's favored by 13, Trey, and I'll give, give go ahead and give you a preview. I'll be shocked if Michigan State goes into Eugene and beats them. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State hasn't won a lot of big games, and so I think there are a lot of us who, who just question that because when you see a team who hasn't won a lot of big games, it's hard to find them winning on the road in a very hostile environment. But we don't know what Oregon is. I mean, think about it, Tarvin. Who have they struggled against? Defensive, physical teams with quarterbacks who don't turn the ball over and, and running attacks. That's kind of what Michigan State is. So, um, you know, Stanford with a what, what I still think it, the quarterback at Stanford, Grogan, isn't very good. He has a terrible release, but he's beat him what twice now. Um, I don't know. Connor Cook's a better quarterback in my mind. So we'll see, Tarvin. We'll see. I, I don't know. This is the kind of team that seems to, to give Oregon fit. But, but you know, we'll talk about this Wednesday. But you look at the the SEC schedule in this. And this week, too, is very disappointing. This is a lot of, you know, I, I give them credit. They played tougher competition than anybody in the country in week one. But as a college football fan, Trey, week two, I don't I don't want to play San Jose State as an Auburn fan. And I'm sure Alabama fans don't want to play Florida Atlantic after want, wanting to see how good they are after playing West Virginia, really. It's just a terrible, terrible week if you're an SEC football fan to, to try to watch it. So, you have Notre Dame, Michigan. You have Oregon, Michigan State, and some other good games. So I guess the SEC won't be in the spotlight this week. Yeah, probably not making a lot of our a lot of our top ten. That's for sure, based on who they're all playing. But um, you know, there'll, there'll be some. We'll have a lot of games to watch at least in other conferences. So there'll be good football next weekend, Tarvin. Just unfortunately, a lot of it won't be in the SEC. None of it will be. There's there's no games. And one game we didn't talk about, Trey, that 
that kind of shocked me a little bit. Vanderbilt was a 17-point favorite at home, <laughs> yeah. and they lose by 30 to Temple. I mean, is Franklin that valuable of a coach? Because Vanderbilt no. is terrible. <laughs> Vanderbilt has a lot of the – I mean, they didn't change over that much of their roster, Tarvin. I mean, so I don't know what to make of Vanderbilt. That was terrible. That was terrible. We want to thank everybody for joining us on a special Monday night. We're usually on Sunday and Wednesday, and this Wednesday – We'll have you t- ten great games Trail come up with. We're going to give you our AFC predictions, wild cards, division winners, and we'll give you our Super Bowl predictions as well. And we'll also, I mean, just talk some NFL football. But, Trey, college basketball real quick. You know, Bruce Pearl came to Auburn. Now his restrictions are lifted. But he recruited a seven foot one guy that was committed to Maryland or played at Maryland that got arrested for assaulting a cop and stealing some candy. I mean, is Bruce Pearl – Maybe reaching for talent and not looking at character. <laughs> of course, it's Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean, I'm an Auburn fan. Our basketball team has sucked for so long that uh, I don't know what it's like to be like number one in the country in recruiting in basketball. But man, I, I just don't want Bruce Pearl to get the program shut down. <laughs> yeah, he'd recruit somebody who would who stabbed his mom if he could play basketball. I mean, Bruce Pearl is not exactly a character guy. Yeah, but it's it's just weird when you see Auburn landing all these top 75 recruits, Trey, all of a sudden, and you just worry in the back of your mind, what is Bruce Pearl doing? What is he? What, you is, know what are you doing, doing Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going on. <laughs> all of a sudden, Auburn's a very attractive basketball school. And, I mean, I, you know, I, I understand him getting maybe one of the top 100 and somebody taking a chance, but when you start loading up, recruits all of a sudden in your Auburn? This is not Duke, Louisville, Kentucky, UCLA, Arizona, teams like that, Trey. I'm I'm a little concerned, but at this pace, just say he doesn't get in trouble, how long will it take for him to get and be a maybe a sweet 16 team? Yeah, maybe a year or two. Yeah, basketball doesn't take a long time. I mean, only one player can get to a sweet 16. Okay. I'm just worried, man. I don't know. Every time I look at ESPN, I see another recruit he's landed. But but, but picture this, Trey, a seven-foot-one guy running with a candy bar down the street assaulting police officers. Can you can you imagine that? How fast can a seven-foot-one guy run, anyway? <laughs> How fast can some of the cops that uh, may be chasing him run? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, everybody, for calling in tonight. Jason and Sonia are giving us their input on everything and Sonia good luck tomorrow and uh, I won't announce your business on air but but good luck with everything we'll be praying for you and Trey Wednesday night 8.30 p.m. Eastern we'll be we'll be live for week two I'm excited about this college football season and the NFL so I'm going to be a couch potato from uh, Saturday to Sunday for sure all right buddy we'll see you on Wednesday all right. Thanks, Jason Humphrey, for listening. I see you. You didn't want to talk tonight. But thanks this for joining us. All alone. Gotta take your soul. You're on your own. <laughs>